This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. What I want to talk about this morning is um, we're in a season of prayer. And um, in, there's a number of, of, of references in the scriptures to praying in the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I want to just look at a few of those and hopefully unpack some things that are going to help us in knowing how do we find the will of God through prayer. What, what's, the re- what's the relationship between God's will and prayer? Um, why do we pray? Uh, we pray so that things happen. James 5 tells us that prayer is work. But prayer is really, um, one of the mo- main things prayer does is it aligns us to God's will. It bends us to, to his will. We're like the, the, the image the Bible uses about us in the hands of God on more than one occasion is the idea of being clay in the hands of a potter. And prayer is one of those acts that allows God to shape us and allows God to change us. Um, and and, and uh, when, when the Bible's talking about this, it often uses this phrase to pray in the spirit and Jude verse 20 because there's no chapters in Jude it's so short he says this the whole um, one of the, the the kind of the themes of the book of, of Jude is 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 this the resisting false teaching and false teachers and remaining true to the gospel And um, let's go from verse 17. It's verse 20 I want to hit, but let's go from verse 17. It says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of our apostles and our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will come scoffers following their own ungodly passion. It is these who will cause division, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. He's talking about people that present themselves as believers. Yeah? He's talking about people that are in the church, or at least appear to be in the church. He says they're worldly and devoid of the spirit. But you, that's us as well, that would be a good place for an amen, by the way. Amen. That you're not worldly and devoid of the spirit. Okay. So let me try that again. Worldly and devoid of the spirit. But you, amen. that's right, yeah, that's right. We're the, we're the but, not the... No, you, no. We're the head, not the tail. Okay, uh... But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Build yourself up. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? And what we find when we read through the New Testament, that this idea of in the spirit kind of has two, it it can mean lots of things, but I want to kind of draw out two main ones to you. The first one it can mean is in tongues. So in 1 Corinthians 14, when it talks about praying in the spirit, it it then says, you know, I'll pray in tongues. It's, It's very, very clearly talking about praying in tongues. So when something is in the spirit, it can mean in tongues. But it also has a much bigger meaning, which means kind of in the life of the Holy Spirit, in the, in the realm of the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, immersed in the Holy Spirit. 
So when we talk about in the spirit, it can be either this kind of this very precise activity of speaking in tongues, or it can be this whole idea of living life in the spirit. And I think it's interesting that it's used of both of those, because I think it tells us something helpful about the gift of tongues. It's telling us that the gift of tongues is somehow kind of emblematic of the whole of life in the spirit. So when we speak in tongues, we're, we're, and, it, and it's, a bit, it's a bit like when we come together here as a church, and we come together and stand before God, and we praise him, and we hear from him, and we receive something from him, but that, if you like, is kind of emblematic of the whole of our lives. It's not, it's not disconnected from it. It's not just a, a, a kind of a, a, um, an analogy for it. The two things are very closely Connected. There's the coming into the presence of God, of, of receiving all that God has for us, of bringing our offering to him, and then going into the world and outworking all that he's called us to do. And the coming in and the going out are both equally important, and they tie really closely together, which is why God has spoken to us about the sound in the house and the sound on the street. Last week we talked about the praise of God and his praises here and his praises you know, uh, lifting up your voice, that we come in here and we lift up our voice, but in doing it, it's the prophetic beginnings of every place in the world lifting up their voice to Jesus. That's what your Christian life is like. You bowed the knee to Jesus. You gave your life to Jesus. You said there was a point in time where you came to a realization that that living living life my way is, is, is... is never going to make it. Is never going to make it happen. It's never going to cut it. That I can't do it by myself. That however hard I try, I'm not going to make it. And, I'm, and, and you came to Jesus and you bow before Jesus, and you confess, Jesus, you are Lord of all. And what does Philippians two tell us? That one day every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Your life is a prophetic picture of what the whole of creation is going to do. When you gave your life to Jesus, it was, saying, it, was, it, was just, it was also painting a picture of ultimately what God is doing in the world. When we speak in tongues, it's a way of entering into the realm of the Spirit. Consciously entering into the realm of the Spirit. We're speaking a language which is from another realm. Yeah, it's, it's not a human language. It's a spiritual language. It's a language that God has given us the ability to, to do. It's not something you learn in the way you learn everything else. It's a gateway gift to the other gifts of the Spirit. Nearly always in the book of Acts, it's the first gift that's mentioned when people receive the Holy Spirit. It's a way, for sure, of opening ourselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a key part to being led by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 that I already mentioned, Paul says, you know, what will I do? I I want to understand. I want knowledge of what God is doing. I want knowledge of the things of God. And he's saying to them, look, if everything you do just speaks in tongues, we never get knowledge. So tongues is supposed to go with interpretation. And he says, how will I do this? He says, well, I'll I'll, I'll pray in my spirit and, and I'll pray in my understanding and I'll sing in the spirit and I'll sing with my understanding. What's he saying? He's saying that as we speak in tongues, we begin to find that our mind starts to catch up. 
And, and an understanding and a revelation of what, what we're praying begins to come into our mind or what we're praising begins to come into our mind. And he says, I'm taking you from, 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 from the unknown into, into what's known, from what's hidden to what's revealed. That's why it's a key part of being led by the Spirit. Just think about the whole idea of baptism in the Spirit. When, John, when Jesus promises the baptism in the Spirit in, in uh, Acts 1, and he says that but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and what? What's the next bit? You will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will, be, you will become my witnesses. And when the Holy Spirit actually came, ten days later, what was, the, what was the first thing they did? There was a number of things that happened to them, but what was the first thing they did? They spoke in tongues. They went out on the street. Remember when Kerry was with us, he said, you know, <coughs> we, wouldn't have been, we wouldn't be here today. There would be no church today if those 120 had stayed in the upper room. They got out on the street and they spoke in tongues. Now, Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. They went out and spoke in tongues. Why are these two things related? Because they're both about continually speaking the word of God to make Jesus known. So praying in the spirit can have this very kind of narrow meaning of, of I'm going to speak in tongues. But it also has a, a great big meaning of, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to shape and to direct and to reveal what God is saying and doing. I want us to look at three scriptures, just in case you get worried about how long I'm going to go on for. The first one we're going to spend a lot more time on than the other two. Okay, just, just uh, Turn to Romans 8. I want us to see three things that praying in the Spirit does. Okay, Romans 8, first of all. Romans 8, 26 and 27. The first thing we're going to find is this, that praying in the Spirit means we find the will of God. Praying in the Spirit means we find the will of God. So Romans 8, 26 and 27. Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, the language is a little bit complicated there. I meant to bring a different tra- translation with me, because I read this this morning in, in Tom Wright's translation of the New Testament, and I thought, that's really helpful, I'll take that with me, and then I left it at home. But anyway... Um, let me, let me try and explain. What Paul is saying here is he's, he's talking about the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is an interceder. He is a prayer. Yeah? He prays with us when we pray. And he knows the mind of God. And he knows your deepest thoughts and desires as well. And when we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and when we engage with the Holy Spirit... He helps us so that what we pray is actually the will of God. And, and, and we find the will of God through praying. It's interesting. He talks about the Holy Spirit groaning. I don't know how much time you spend groaning when you pray. 
I spend most of the, the, the time I groan most frequently is when I read one of Mike Ledger's Facebook posts. Um, <laughs> well, I know that he's, that's what he's posting them for. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a compliment. <laughs> Why is the Holy Spirit groaning? Why is he groaning? Because, you know, there's, there's some, it says it's too deep for words. There's something deep in the mind of God. The other thing, it's, it, did you see that the, um, the first word I read in my translation was likewise? Has anyone got a different kind of first word or f- first phrase in verse 26? In the same way. In the same way. In the same way as what? So back up and read the passage before. It's always good to read context in the scripture. In the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way that the current creation is groaning because it wants to find its liberty in what God is going to do when he makes all things new. When he brings forth a new heavens and a new earth out of the old. Creation is groaning. You can hear the groans of creation, can't you? You can hear the, uh, the, 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 the pain of creation, the frustration of creation. And it's groaning. It wants to be set at liberty. It wants to experience God's ultimate purpose for it. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit groans with us. For what? For the new creation. Now here's the thing, it's begun in us. God's new creation has begun in us. But the Holy Spirit says, we're, we're, we're calling on, there are some things that are so deep in the mind of God, even God can't put them into words. Or at least chooses not to. There's such a deep sense of longing and desire to bring forth something new. That's the other reason it talks about groaning. It talks about, in another place, the gro- well, in Romans 8, but in other places as well, the, the groaning and the, of, of, of childbirth. I'm, I'm told it can hurt a bit. I told it good. <laughs> but... It's a pain that produces something. It's an expression that's not futile. It's like we said earlier, it's, it's, not, it's not bringing about death. It's a pain that's bringing about life. It's a groaning that isn't the, oh, I'm feeling, you know, sometimes I find I'm reaching that age now where when I get out of a chair, I make a noise. It, yeah. And it helps, doesn't it? Somehow it helps. I feel like I'm like one of those young female tennis players. Because middle-aged men and older and young female tennis players are the two people that seem to have realised that when you exert yourself physically and groan at the same time, it helps. So I like to think of myself as an elite athlete. But it's not a, it's, it's, it's a groan that's producing something. It's... it's but, but that groan actually is, is, is actually, if I'm, if I'm telling the truth, I, I don't feel like a young tennis player. I feel like an older and older man. It's that natural groan that is saying things are getting harder. But the groaning here is a groaning that brings life. It doesn't lead to death, it leads to life. It's going to bring forth life. And the Holy Spirit, and, and you know, you know, Paul tells us in, I think in, in, 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, we're longing to put off this outer that's wasting away. But even the groans of old age are, are a hopeful cry for the new creation 
that's coming. For the new thing that God is doing. Groans too deep for words. It's giving a voice to the deep things of the mind of God. Isn't it interesting that before God wants us to catch his word, he wants us to catch his heart. He wants us to know what it is that, that, that he himself is, if I can say God is yearning, I think I can, what he himself is yearning for, what he himself wants to produce. It goes back to Christ's experience on the cross, doesn't it? And he cried out in pain and he cried out in anguish and he was in the most painful situation anyone has ever found themselves in. Because not only was he being murdered in the most painful way, he was carrying upon himself the sin of the world. And he cried out. And he was in pain and he was in anguish, but he knew that his cry was a hopeful cry. Because yes, he was going to die, but he was going through death and he was coming out the other side. Life was going to come. That was the cry. The deep things of God, the deep things of the mind of God, the mysteries of God. And the mysteries seem to take a journey from the the mind of God, from the depths of God, to the spirit of God, into the spirit of us believers. And they find a voice in our prayers. That's how the Holy Spirit wants us to pray. He says, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to put a burden in your heart. I'm going to put a a sense of, of desire and longing within you for the things of God. If you spend time with me, you'll catch my heart and I'm going to bring you something out of the depths of the mind of God that to begin with might just feel like some kind of sensation or some feeling. But as you begin to express it to God, you're going to come with a, to a greater and greater sense of clarity of what it is that you're praying and what it is that you're calling on God for. And here's the thing, that, that once we come and we, we learn what the will of God is and we're praying the will of God, God also says, and you're part of it coming into the world. It's not just a discovering the will of God, but it's about bringing it about. It says, we read here, we pray according to the will of God. The Spirit knows according to the will of God. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, we can be certain that we're praying according to God's will. Jesus taught us how to pray this way. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Holy Spirit helps us be able to say, your will be known to us as it is in the mind of God. We're not just randomly shooting requests up into a heaven and having no idea whether they're making any impact. As we, as we yield to the Holy Spirit, how do we do that? We follow his promptings. Like the example Carissa gave. Well, I could disqualify myself, but, but what if it's in this obedience that God is going to even perform a miracle? And also, what if it isn't? It's learning to hear his voice. You know, the Holy, when you engage with the Holy Spirit, he trains you. In the, in the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah, I think we get an insight into a young prophet's training. And God says to him, Jeremiah, 
what do you see? And he sees, what he sees is an almond branch. And here's the first thing we, we need to know about, about listening to the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit wants to engage you and wants to form a relationship with you before he wants you to go out and proclaim something. So we, we, could, we could easily, if we had the experience Jeremiah has, we could, we could see that, we could see this vision and we could get all excited. God's given me a vision and, and, and we'd, be, we'd be out to the front of the meeting or, or sharing in a life group. I just want to share the vision God has given me. And you share the vision and everyone goes, that's a wonderful vision. What does it mean? I have no idea. And then we all have a go at trying to interpret it. Almonds, well, almonds. Well, you make marzipan out of almonds. Almond, uh, marzipan goes on, on, on cakes, birthday cakes. Birthday. So we need to have a birthday party. <laughs> We're not going to find the will of God that way. Well, the, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit says to Jeremiah, he says, what do you see? I want to have a conversation with you. And Jeremiah says, I see an almond branch. And God says, that's right, because I'm watching over my word. And we go, how on earth are those things related? But the footnote in your Bible will tell you that when you say the words almond branch in Hebrew, it sounds like the words watching over. If he hadn't spoken back to the Holy Spirit, if he hadn't engaged in the conversation, he'd never have come to the revelation. And I think that that's what we're being shown there is that God is saying, look, I want to have a conversation with you. I want you to get to know me. I want you to get to know my voice. I want you to hear me. And he will help us learn. He will help us learn. He'll tell you. And we've had some examples of this. People have, I've heard people testifying recently where it was like, well, God, I think Paul stuck something on Facebook, didn't he, where God told him to go and have a rest at Sainsbury's. To be honest, I would always be inclined to hear that message. <laughs> I wouldn't have needed a second confirmation for that. I'd, yes, Lord. I'll go and have a sit down and a cup of coffee. But how, in a, in a, in a simple, almost, almost a silly thing like that, it meant that a little while later on his journey, he met the person God wanted him to meet. You see, that's, that's getting to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's just, yeah, and he'll do that for If you say to him, Holy Spirit, I want to get to know you better. He'll do that. He'll just give you those little indications, those little prompts. And, and when we follow them, we'll, we'll, we'll say, I've just learned something. One of the great things about the Holy Spirit as well is he actually does real stuff while he's teaching us. There aren't any kind of like, you know, made up gifts. Or... He actually does something. It isn't just that we're learning something, but also he opens up the possibility for something to happen that's in his will. We learn the will of God by praying in the spirit. By catching the heart of God. <clears throat> by being comfortable, if you like, with being uncomfortable like we were this morning. You know, sometimes we can find ourselves in an uncomfortable position. And the worst thing we can do is try and pray ourselves out of the uncomfortable position. It's like we heard about the, Paul's thorn this morning. I find it hilarious how much people debate what Paul's thorn was. I think the whole point is we're not supposed to know. The question is, what's yours? <laughs> what's your weakness that God's grace is sufficient for? That's the point. That's the point of Paul telling us about his thorn. Not endless debate and writing books about what it might have been. I find if the Bible isn't clear about something, it's because it doesn't want to be clear about it. 
Equally, if you find a scripture that has two meanings and they both seem good and in accord with the word and the character of God, it can mean two things. It doesn't have a problem with that. But we're saying, Lord, what's, what's the area of my life where I need to know the sufficiency of your grace? And if you feel uncomfortable, just say to the Lord, I've learned this. I've learned to do this. Lord, Lord, teach me what I'm supposed to learn in this uncomfortable position. <laughs> Tell me what it is that I'm supposed to find. Give me your grace to deal with this. Because I don't want to waste weeks and months trying to pray my way out of it when what I'm doing is actually working against the will of God because he's put me here to, to form something in me. You know, if we say, Jesus, we place our hands, we're the clay, you're the potter, and then you find, you know, if you said that to him this morning, you find yourself in a difficult and uncomfortable position this week, he's just answering your prayer. He said, here we go. This is, I'm going to mould you and shape you through this. And the quicker we go, God, I embrace that. Help me understand. Give me insight. Give me wisdom. Speak to me through your word. Let one of my friends call me with a message. I want to, I want to learn everything I can from this situation. You know what? The quicker you'll get out of it. And you'll have been changed into what he was trying to do. We've been shaped by the Holy Spirit. And when we pray and when we give ourselves to prayer, we find the will of God. We find the will of God. Kerry made reference, didn't he, to, to Paul's trying to work out where he should go next. Is it Asia? Is it Bithynia? And it's no, it's not. It's Macedonia. And it says things like, the the Spirit of Jesus prevented us from going. I have no idea how the Spirit of Jesus did that. But what I do know is that they discerned it was the Spirit of Jesus. It wasn't those nasty Romans or, or a lack of money or whatever it might have been that meant they couldn't go that way. They went, that's, that's okay. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and that positioned them then for the Holy Spirit to break in and give some direction. And again, it's a great lesson because he sees a man of Macedonia. I don't know what Macedonians looked like in those. Maybe they had some distinctive features. Maybe they had some distinctive clothing. I don't know. But it was a man. It tells us that. And when they got to Macedonia and to Philippi, what did they find? A woman. <laughs> and they didn't go, oh, this can't be God because he definitely showed me a man. No, all he did is he got you to where he wanted you. That was what he did. Maybe Macedonian women dressed like all the other women and Macedonian men had a particular way of dressing and that's why God used the image. I have no idea. But somehow God got them there. And they didn't get hung up on what's the last little detail of this. No, we, just, we know we're walking in the will of God. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Ephesians 6. So praying in the Spirit means that we can find the will of God. Praying with the leading of the Holy Spirit. We'll we'll, we'll pull up a few practicals right at the end. Ephesians 6. It's about the armour of God. We've had some fighting imagery this morning. I must confess, it's not my favourite imagery, but it's biblical, isn't it? So I should embrace it. I I don't like that kind of... uh, you know, the idea of a, of a fight. Not really up for a, a fight. I'd say I'm a lover, not a fighter, but my wife's here, so she might contradict that as well. So. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the kind of, like, you know, dozen red roses every other week kind of guy, am I? No. But it's, it's a very biblical image. 
And what we always have to hold with it, of course, is that it's not the weapons of this world that we use. And Ephesians 6, uh, we'll go from verse 13, it says, Therefore take up the whole armour of God. And by the way, if you, if you don't want to be a fighter, then, then you know, give up the idea of following Jesus, because there's an awful lot of people um, fighting against him. There's an awful lot of powers and principalities and demons and the devil who were fighting against him. So we've got to know how to handle ourselves in a fight. And that's why Paul tells us this, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Readiness, isn't that interesting? That's where we started this morning. We're going to lead from the front. We're going to fill up from the front. Fill up the ranks of, God, of, of the army of God from the front. In all circumstances, isn't that good? In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Maybe there's a suggestion there that will be sometimes when you know that certain kinds of attacks aren't going to come. You are in a place of, of peace. You are in a place of, of rest. But he says, but in all circumstances, you're always going to need the shield of faith. It doesn't matter whether it's a a, a time of battle or a time of rest or a time of peace. You're always going to need the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying at all times in the Spirit. With all kinds of prayers and supplications. I like that. doesn't matter how you pray. There's lots of different ways to pray. And they're all good. They're all good. But Paul says, pray in the Spirit. How do you pray in the Spirit? By taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, there are two things we do with the Word of God. We proclaim it and we pray it. And, he, and Paul is saying, look, there's the proclamation of the gospel. That's, you've got all these defensive items in your armour, but here's the offensive. Here's the ones for attack. It's the preaching of the gospel and it's the praying of God's word back to him. That's what he's looking for. That's what we're called to do. That's, how, that's the only way that we go on the attack. Proclaiming his word. It's what we did this morning. His love endures forever. His loving kindness endures forever. It doesn't matter what the circumstances, there's something that outlasts this, and it's called the faithful love of God. And I cannot be separated from it, and neither can you. It doesn't matter what's going on around. God is going to act according to his faithfulness, and according to his loving kindness, and according to his purpose, and according to his covenant. And he will produce what he's seeking to produce. And you and I are included in that. Pray in the spirit, he says. When we pray in the spirit, we advance the purposes of God. That's the message here. All this stuff for defense. And here's what you've got for advance. Here's what you've got for attack. Here's what you've got for taking ground. Proclaim his word. Preach the gospel. Tell people. That Jesus loves them. 
tell people that they need him because without him they're lost in their sin. And the consequence of sin is death. But the free gift of God through Jesus Christ is eternal life. Share the gospel, preach the gospel, and pray in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us to pray God's word back to him. We can be confident when we pray God's word that he's going to do what he says. When, I think this is what Jesus is talking about when he says to the disciples, if you ask for anything in my name, it will be done. He doesn't mean you can tag in the name of Jesus on the end of any prayer and you've guaranteed an answer. Let's just try that now. Who'd like a nice brand new car? Amen. Okay. So um, just, you know, um, just try asking God for exactly the car you want and right at the end of it say, in the name of Jesus and see if that's some kind of magic charm that suddenly makes it happen. Just, right, okay. (laughs) So our experience would tell us that praying in the name of Jesus means something much more than just sticking in the name of Jesus at the end of a prayer. It means... Praying something that's already included in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his will, in his purpose, in his intention. We got a new car this week. It's a bit of an old banger. But you know what? It's exactly what we need. And it was cheap. And I think, that's fantastic. That's the provision of God. It does exactly what we need. Um, you know, those, there's all kinds of things that our natural desires might call on God for. But the Holy Spirit, and you'll try praying some of those things and just see how the Holy Spirit responds to you. <laughs> just see how, he's, he's, he's usually very gentle. <laughs> and he'll just steer you away and go, you know, that's, there's, there's some other things we could be praying about right now. What's God said? What are his promises? What is his stated intention? What has he said to you? What's he said in his word? What's he revealed to us? What's he speaking to us? Let's bring these things back before God. And we begin to pray those things. And we begin to find that God moves. Because praying in the spirit advances the purposes of God. It's like a weapon in your hand to take ground. Final one. Turn with me to Philippians 1 verse 19. Philippians, probably written when Paul is in prison in Rome. Um, And uh, he's saying how, you know, I'm in in prison here, but it's going great. (laughs) All of the Praetorian Guard are hearing the gospel. (laughs) And he says this to the Philippians in verse 19, and and, and I'm just going to dip in and out on this verse. I'm not taking it out of context exactly, but the, the principle is what I want us to get. He says this, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul's confidence of getting out of the situation he was in, and I'm personally probably of the persuasion that he was imprisoned in Rome twice, and that he did get out from the first one and went back into prison later in Rome, and that's when he was killed. But it doesn't really matter. But his confidence is based on these two things. Your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit. And I want to suggest to us that in linking these two things together, 
Paul is helping us understand something powerful about our prayer, which is that that praying in the Spirit releases the power of God. Praying in the Spirit releases the power of God. Our prayers release the Spirit to act. You think, well, he's God, he can do what he likes. Yeah, but you see, God has put mankind in charge of this realm called the earth. It went very badly wrong back in Genesis 3. But God never revoked that. And when we came to Christ, our ability to rule, what does it say about the priests of God? They will rule, they will reign on the earth. Our ability to rule as the regents of God, as, the, as, as the, those who have received a delegated authority from God, our ability to rule in the earth has been restored when we were restored into right relationship with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it means that, that, that we now have an ability to speak. The Holy Spirit is looking for a partnership. We talked, I talked, I think, when we did the teaching on, on, on prayer, that prayer is a... Um, is, is, is an earthly response to a heavenly intention. God has declared what he wants to do and he's looking. He's looking for those who will pray his word back to him. And when we do, it releases his power. And Paul is saying, look, your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit, they're two sides of the same thing. They're not two separate things. He said, I know because you're praying And because when you pray, it releases the power of God. When you pray in the Spirit. Just like how God created in Genesis 1. Yeah? It says, it was all ready to go and the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep and God said. And whatever God said happened. Why? Because the Spirit was primed and ready to do what God said. And we have this little hint in Genesis 2 that that was how God intended mankind to act as well because it says God brought all the animals before Adam and whatever he called them that's what they were he didn't have to do anything other than speak why because the Holy Spirit said when you speak with the authority of God when you're under his authority when you're speaking in line with the with the commission he's given you then whatever you say I will do and that's that's the partnership that God has for us and the Holy Spirit he's looking he leads us to pray He teaches us to pray. He directs us and advances his purposes through our prayers and he releases his power when we pray his prayers. When we pray according to the will of God. There's a releasing of the power of God. It's a restoration that was promised in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. And God says the time is coming, the time we live in. He says, well, it will will be not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. How do you do things in this world? How does this world do things? How does this world fight? It fights with power and might. Whoever's strongest is going to win. That's not how it is in the advancing of the kingdom of God. It's whoever's got the Holy Spirit. And let's put it this way. It's whoever the Holy Spirit has got. Has he got you? Is he laying a hold of you? Are we yielding to him? Are we, are we allowing him to shape us and to find the will of God in our prayer? And are we being bold and praying and, and realizing that prayer is part of our means of advancing the purposes of God? And do we really expect that when we pray in the Holy Spirit, 
we're going to release the power of God. Paul had that expectation of the Philippians, your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to do it. Okay, let's just give a, just a, a few pointers on personal prayer and corporate prayer. If we want to learn more what it means to be to pray with praying in, sorry, if we want to learn more what it means to be praying in the Holy Spirit, um, here's here's this first one: speak in tongues. If you if you can't speak in tongues, if you've not received that gift, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, I'd love to pray with you this morning because I believe it's God's intention for every believer. I'm not going to go into the reason that I believe that now, but I'm, just, I'm utterly convinced. It's God's intention for every believer to be able to pray in tongues. Allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's where some of the other gifts come in. Prophecy. Uh, word of knowledge. Allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit. Align yourself to the will of God. When you discover something about the will of God, join in with it. Don't just t- t- say, oh, well, it's, it's nice that I know that piece of information. No, throw yourself into what God has revealed. Understand that when we pray, it's about catching the heart of God. Feed that. Allow that passion to grow. What is it that God has put on your heart? Stir it. And walk with the Holy Spirit. Allow him to guide your steps. Even in the silly little things. The seemingly inconsequential. That's how he's going to... Most of us are really simple, so we need to learn simple. In simple ways, don't we? What about when it comes to corporate prayer? Well, I believe that when we pray in the Holy Spirit together, it means that we're going to come more and more to a common mind, a common way of thinking. God spoke to us about a new paradigm, a new framework. Many times in the epistles, the the writers are concerned that people are are united. Not just meaning a lack of division, but actually they're thinking the same way, they're acting the same way. That they're working as a unit. A common passion. Talk to one another about the things that stir you. Talk to one another about the things that move you. Talk to one another about the things that, that perhaps even make you cry. Find a common passion and fan that into flame together. Corporate prayer is about filling out our revelation. I can come with a part, I pray something and then someone else prays and I suddenly go, yes, that's, that's my heart as well, but that's something I hadn't seen before. My, my, you know, my, my, my zeal is, is fueled by listening to other people pray and, and amen in it and my understanding. We come to a place of, of common vision, seeing things together. Looked at that scripture last week, didn't we, in Isaiah, that the watchmen, eye to eye, they see they're seeing the same thing. Of common mission, finding those that God has joined you with, and of advancing the kingdom, because I believe that's always God's intention, that that's not something we do individualistically. When God wanted to give a commission to mankind, he created a man and a woman. When Jesus wanted the gospel preaching everywhere he was about to go out, he sent them out two by two. There's always a plurality when it comes to advancing the kingdom. So when we come in the, the next couple of weeks, in the remaining times of prayer that we've got, and by the way, get them, they're in the bulletin, they're on the, they're on the, the uh, Facebook page. Get them in your diary. Plan on being there. Because things are going to happen as we pray together. 
You're going to, your revelation is going to come to you. Insight is going to come to you. A, a, a renewed sense of, of passion and purpose is going to come to you. A deeper desire. The, the, maybe the groanings. I'm not sure that I'm ever going to lead us in a time of groaning. But you know. <laughs> but but the, that kind of deep desire. That, that you feel long before you can express in words. A common sense of vision. That's what we've said. We're praying, Lord, we want you to show us and lead us and tell us what you're doing and where you're going. It's interesting. I had a, was talking with Adam and Karis yesterday and I said, tell me what you've found as you're praying this. And as Adam was talking, I was going, that's exactly what I believe as well. And just that, there was such a, a, a kind of a, 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 an excitement, if you like, of saying, here's... It's not just hearing the same things, but it's forming into a, into a vision that's the same. We're seeing things the same way because we're hearing what God is saying. So let's be together. Let's be together in prayer. Let's be praying in the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead us, guide us, direct us. Give us the, 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 the motivation and give us the content and the, and the shape of our, of our prayers. And all that God has for us to do together. Let's pray now, shall we? Can we stand together if if you're able to? (sighs) Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for the many, many ways that you've led us and spoken to us this morning. Thank you that your presence is so real and tangible among us. And Lord, I pray that that's our experience more and more as we leave this place as well. Lord, that in our, in our waking, that you'll be with us and we'll give you our attention. Lord, in the things that we've brought before you this morning, we'll find them outworked this week. Lord, I pray for each one of us this week an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with someone. The words that are good news. And that, Holy Spirit, we would be alive to your leading and your prompting to lead us into that. Lord, we can't say enough, but it is such a simple thing to say we're yours. We're here for your glory. We offer our lives afresh to you this morning. Holy Spirit, anoint us in our going. Let us be the fragrance of Jesus in this world. Let us be uh, the lampstands with the fire of the Spirit burning and bringing light wherever we go. Be glorified in us and through us, we pray. Come and touch our city. Come and touch the lives of people here. Lord, bring heaven to earth. Let your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.